The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N E U D A E. Appreciate them letting us use the song Lion Kings as our intro this season. <clears throat> James, we're going to be taking a spin through the Carolina League today, looking at your latest Farm Futures piece. A lot to talk about in this league. I mean, three top 10 prospects, four top 20 prospects. We'll get into all these. Well, most of the players you wrote about here this week. But, James, we recently completed a trade in Staff 2. I know that you're starting to sell off some pieces in in that league and I think in Staff 3 as well. Do you just kind of feel like at this point in the season the standings are finally starting to mean something? And if you're not in a top half, then you're realistically a seller? Uh, you know, I think it, it kind of boils. I mean, I, I've in, in SKL two, I've sold off pretty much all my pieces at this point, uh, in kind of did so in a, about a 48 hour window. And to me, it, it, it sort of comes down to, I, I was about six or seventh in the standings in a, 
and in about 25 roto points out of uh, first place. And I, the only real like long-term piece that I could trade and really help myself this year and get, you know, get enough back to really help myself this year was Ahmed Rosario. Uh, he was my one uh, prospect keeper coming into the year. So it kind of boiled down to like, well, am I going, cause like I knew people were going to start making moves around me in the standings. People are going to start, you know, you already had made that Chris sale trade. Uh, there, you know, there are obviously going to be other people making moves. Uh, if I wanted to legitimately go for it this year, I think I was going to have to be willing to trade a med Rosario. And even then I didn't think I had, I didn't think it was going to be uh, enough because in the, in that league, you know, you need to start out with a top five team on paper and have the assets to go get better in season. I started out with, I think, you know, a a pretty easy top eight or nine team on paper. And I just, I, before I wanted to sell anything, I wanted to see if I could get off to like such a good start where I could give myself a bit of a cushion there and start to entertain realistically competing, I didn't think I got off to that good of a start. And when you're holding guys like Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw and John Lester, who, uh, you know, I could have kept Lester, you know, for one more year, I suppose at, at I think like 27, but I, I probably wasn't going to keep Kershaw or Trout. Uh, both of their contracts were over 70 and you want to move those guys sooner than later. If you're going to be a seller, because like a they could get hurt you know i mean if if i don't move kershaw and he gets hurt and i end up getting nothing for him i mean that's a that's a huge blow to my long-term chances and you want to move them when there's still you know six or seven uh serious buyers you don't want to you don't want to be shopping those guys and putting two owners up against each other you want like you want to be getting hits from a bunch of owners so that you can really get a, a nice haul. And I think I was able to do that. And then the, the trade I made with you was uh, the second move. After I moved Trout and Kershaw in a, in a bigger deal, I moved uh, Justin Upton, Odubel Herrera, and A.J. Ramos and Yadier Molina to you to kind of help you shore up some some areas of need and just you know unload <laughs> unload everything that wasn't tied down basically on my roster yeah context is really important here because you went all in last year traded pretty much every prospect you had every like in your first like five or six picks so you went all in and that's why you really didn't have the assets this year to add a lot of talent to your roster man i still feel like you should have won that league integrity of the league is something that you need to preserve all of you listening out there um, make sure people are setting legal lineups for one. But I just think that you made a good, you picked a good time to start selling off yet because there's still s- several suitors. So who did you get? I mean, you got, you traded Kershaw and Trout in the same deal. What kind of haul did you get for those two? Yeah. So I, I, I got uh, Kyle Schwarber who's on an $11 salary through the 2019 season I got Alex Bregman, who is in his 3A year, so next year he'll be a 3B guy. I want to have to extend him until the, the following year in uh, 2019. And then I got Willie Adames, uh, top prospect in the, the Rays system for for Trout and Kershaw. I, 
I wanted, I was trying to target, uh, MLB, young MLB players that I had, uh, multiple years of control over and top prospects and Kershaw and Trout by the way both on $70 contracts if I'm not mistaken so right great win now pieces and keepable in the league with that much inflation but uh, not a bargain by any means right and uh, so I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you like the other offer I had uh, was Trey Turner and Bradley Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer was uh, in a minor league uh, slot, and Trey Turner was 3B, so next year I would have had to extend him. And I really, it you know, this was a tough call. I I like Trey Turner, obviously, the most out of, out of Bregman, Schwarber, all those guys. I didn't, I, I'm already going to have to extend Carlos Correa next year. And I have Correa and Ahmed Rosario. And so basically I would have been starting either Correa, Rosario, or Trey Turner in the util spot next year because Turner is going to be only shortstop eligible. Uh, just didn't really like the the way the pieces fit there. I like Adames a lot more than Bradley Zimmer as a, as a long-term prospect. So, uh, And I, I liked the quantity over quality because, you know, I, I want – I want to win the league next year. I think you have to, you definitely, when you're, when you're trying to either go all in or sell, you have to be cognizant of when you want your window to be. And so when I went all in last year, I was fully aware that it was going to be kind of a long shot, even though I had good keepers, it was going to be a long shot for me to win this year because I, I, like you said, I drained my farm system. Uh, I took on a lot of expiring deals so I wasn't surprised that I that I ended up having to be a seller this year, but I always planned on next year being another another chance for me to go for it. And I thought that getting two guys that I could slot in at uh, positions of of need plus another piece on the farm, I thought that that helped me a bit more than if I'd gone uh, the Turner Zimmer route. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty happy with the way that went down. Yeah, it's it's tough to do to bite that bullet and. and- deem yourself a seller but i respect that respect respect you doing that especially when a lot of these teams sitting at the bottom of the standings just completely refuse to do that and that just leaves them in the dust really you have to have a plan more so than anything you know if you're gonna punt this season at least have a plan in play and test the water see what you can get for your assets because eventually the market will dry up and it may be too little too late i'm glad we were able to get something done i did make a play for kershaw earlier in the year but it kind of worked out well for both of us i got sale for bellinger and and then made that deal with you acquiring as you said justin upton Odubel herrera aj ramos i don't love any of those players but in a league that size 17 team league i, I mean they're all pretty valuable definitely startable and i needed some speed hopefully herrera right. starts running a little bit you know looking back on it i I think I sort of whiffed on not taking your original offer of Bellinger, Tucker, and Soto, I believe it was, for Kershaw. Uh, you know, very early in the year. This was very early in the year. Uh, it, I, the, the thing is, it, it, I, wasn't willing to, I wasn't willing to be a seller that early. And I think, you know, that's, that was a fair offer. It's just like you know, you, you want to give yourself some time. Cause at that point, I think I was top four in the standings or so. 
And we didn't really have any clue that Bellinger would help this year. Right. I mean, you, yeah. At you, least significantly. You know, there's a there are a wide range of outcomes with Bellinger at the time. I mean, he, he very easily could have come up and uh, struck out a ton, hit like 250, got sent back down. I mean, that that's a... Bellinger's success this year is is definitely one where it, it could have gone either way. Um, I mean, first base prospects especially. still flip. For sure. He struck it. Well, I don't know about the yesterday's game, but you know, he struck out like 14 times in his previous six games heading into yesterday. So, you know, initial success doesn't necessarily mean it's mm-hmm. going to be smooth sailing the rest of the season. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it's like, like you were saying with, uh, you know, the people, people towards the bottom – of the standings. I know like th- there's a big mindset, I think among a lot of owners uh, and it's sort of a, it's sort of a single season mindset um, where you, you know, you never, you just want to keep grinding, keep grinding, keep grinding. Like don't, you know, don't give in. It's a long season. It's a long season. And I think that that's a, a really valuable mindset, but you also have to know which, what kind of league you're in, look at the the past winners of the league like what have what have they done in the past to win that league uh you know i think eisner who beat me out last year he acquired trout in season um andrew martinez our our buddy like he he won the league i don't know if he won it two years in a row he definitely won it one year completely drained his farm system uh took on a lot of expiring contracts uh you just if you you have to look at your not only your your MLB roster, but your farm system. And see, say say to yourself, you know, do I have what it takes to get it done? And where am I in the standings right now? Because I know it's it's early, but you still, if you're not within shouting distance of first place, you know, unless you plan on being the guy that goes out there and trades for Trout and Kershaw or whatever, like you're you're probably not going to have what it takes because all the teams ahead of you, not only are they ahead of you right now, but they're going to improve if mm-hmm. they end up being buyers. Yeah, you have to be realistic. So the return for those major league players I mentioned, I gave you uh, Juan Soto. I gave you Carl Edwards on a 1A deal, so that could be valuable in future years. And I gave you the face of MILB, Asan Diaz. You wrote about this week in your Farm Futures piece. He is, of course, in the Carolina League. Off to a real nice start. Seven homers, three, 288 average. 363 on base, 504 slug. We saw him last year in South Bend. And, you know, I know at the time he was only batting two, 200 or something, but he took an, a ball opposite field for a home run. And we got to see up close and personal the, the kind of power this kid packs. Not a huge frame. I mean, 5'10, 185, but that bat is, is lightning quick. And you have him, as I mentioned, inside your top 20 and your overall top 400. I'd imagine he's, you know, realistically, are we looking at 2019 with Diaz, or do you think he could make it up in 2018? I think, uh, you know, maybe he gets a September call up in 2018. I think 2019, though, is is a lot more realistic. Uh, he's He's got, he went a, a full year at, at low A last year. So even though he's off to this really hot start, I think just, you know the way the Brewers have have done things in this uh, this current regime. I I would expect him to to be at high A for for most of the season, unless it just you know I, I don't know. I mean if he if he somehow just gets even hotter than he is right now, 
really forces the issue. Maybe he gets a move up to double A that summer, but uh, you know they don't have a, an opening for him per se right now. I, I, I think he's the long term answer at second base for them. So to me, he's he actually has more of an, an obvious future with this team than uh, a guy like Jonathan VR. But when you have a guy like VR, you don't. There's no need to to rush a guy like Diaz. I, I think he strikes out enough to where, and you know, I mean, he comes from uh, a cold climate. I, I think he's he's right where he where he should be developmentally. I would not be surprised if he spends most, if not all, the season in the Carolina League. You mentioned that we saw him go the opposite way when we saw him live last year, and you point out here in your article that he has the ninth lowest pull rate among qualified hitters in the league 38.2 percent a true all-field approach he has a splash of speed you speculate here maybe 10 to 15 steals in his early years really like this kid didn't didn't want to give him up i was in fact thinking about in that league using diaz and soto as a two for one to get one a more impact piece but i think um for a player like this a guy like justin upton and herrera Certainly, I mean those guys should help me. Hopefully, push me over the over the hump. But with Diaz, it may be a wait, and yeah, maybe not shortstop eligibility, but still, ton ton to like here. What do you make of um, the, the plate discipline? It looks like he's walking at a pretty good clip, not striking out too much, and the the power obviously is super good with with Diaz. But is it going to be a while before that approach is really refined? Uh, you know, I love, I just love how much he walks. I think there's always going to be a little bit of swing and miss there. Uh, but I think he can be one of those guys where he strikes out at a 24, 25, 26% clip in the big leagues. And it's, it's totally fine. Like you, you you could still get a 285 average out of, out of him, even if he's doing that because he, has such a good approach. I mean, you know, having a good approach isn't just about, uh, it's, it's not like you don't have to not strike out to have a good approach. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's posted a walk rate above 10% at every stop as a professional. That's pretty rare for an up the middle player with his set of tools. I mean, you're, you're more likely to see a guy like Tim Anderson than you are Isan Diaz when it, when you're talking about a toolsy up the middle guy, uh, so, I mean, the fact that he walks that much to me is is a really good sign. You touched on the all-fields approach. That that's, that's excellent because he's, you know, he's not going to need uh, any kind of a platoon partner. I don't think he's not going to – I mean, people aren't going to be able to shift on him really. I mean, it's just, it's just such a really nice rock-solid offensive uh, skill set that, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have him. Jumping back up. In your article here, the first player you wrote about was actor Victor Robles. We've talked about him several times. He's a top three prospect on your top 400, right behind you on Mancata and Cody Bellinger. Anything you want to add to, to Victor Robles? Uh, the power is coming. It's, you know, we, we've been talking about the power uh, and how it's, it's going to manifest itself when he gets to the big leagues. And he's already starting to show that uh, he's got a, 189 ISO, which is easily his highest mark above rookie ball. Uh, three home runs in 24 games, already matching the three home runs he had in 41 games at high A last season. So yeah, I mean the the powers it's it's on its way. 
he's obviously he's obviously an excellent uh, threat on the bases. Great hit tool, great approach. Doesn't strike out a ton. I mean, there's there's really no holes here. Eloy Jimenez, the number six prospect in your top four hundred. He missed the start of the year due to a shoulder injury suffered in spring training, but really has hit the ground running since his return. A three thirty three average, three walks, to only one K, and a homer. Anything change here with you in terms of your evaluation of Jimenez? Nope. I mean, he there there might have been a a tiny window there when he wasn't playing where you might have been able to get him at at a slight slight discount. But yeah, I mean, he's he looks like himself. I mean, I, that bomb he hit the other day was just absolutely crushed. He's he's a big boy. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. He's going to hit for a high average. He's. The only knock on him is how far he is away and you know where exactly his playing time is going to come with the Cubs. But, I mean, that he's the type of guy that I think they will have no problem finding a, a spot for when he's ready. By the way, we didn't get a chance to talk about Ian Happ last week because we well recorded early, and I think he was called up, I don't know, Saturday. But anyway, he looks he's off to a good start anyway. We don't know exactly how long he's going to be up. may not be all that long, but do you think he's worth speculating on in, in single-season leagues? Yeah, I, I kind of think it's it's similar to uh, when Kyle Schwarber first came up. Remember, he came up sort of to fill a need, uh, and he at, at catcher, I believe, and he got sent down shortly thereafter. I think he ended up getting picked up and then dropped in some leagues uh, after he got sent back down, and then he ended up getting called back up. You know, I think maybe six weeks later, something like that. And then when he was up for good at that point, uh, it really started to come on uh, pretty strong. So I I could see that maybe happening with Hap. I could also see him just staying up for good because, I mean, look, I mean, it looks like he's ready for, for big league pitching. It doesn't look like there's a ton of development left to do. So the Cubs might just decide that, look, we can we we've got Joe Madden. We can figure out a way to get this guy uh 20 plate appearances a week and you know it might it might not be an everyday type of thing but he makes us a better team right now we need to win games if we want to go get uh you know one of the top two records or so in in the national league so i I think there's a variety of outcomes but just the upside the position eligibility factor with him to me it's it's worth a, a fairly sizable bid even though i think there is a, a chance he does get sent down in the coming weeks now you mentioned that you have some regrets about not taking that offer i had on the table for kershaw earlier in the year which was bellinger kyle tucker and, and juan soto and obviously bellinger would have been the centerpiece there but i know you have affinity for kyle tucker and that's obviously reflected in your rank number seven on your overall top 400 i think he was maybe hovering around 20 preseason uh but what you know obviously there's a lot to like but what makes you a little bit higher than others on kyle tucker uh this is just another guy that i don't really see any flaws with the speed was always a a pretty big selling point i think he you know some people kind of compared him a little bit to a guy like christian yelich where when he first came up there was probably going to be a fairly high batting average and 20 to 30 steals. Uh, but, and, and everyone, I think most people all, you know, everyone sort of expected there to be at least above average power down the road. I don't think many people expected him to start hitting for this much power this early on. I mean, he's, 
He's got uh, 626 slug right now as a 20-year-old at high A. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. Like in, when you start thinking about the total collection of tools, it's like, well, we know he's you know above average runner. Like all of a sudden, you're talking about a potential 2020 guy that could hit for a high average, and then you're you're really starting to talk about a guy that might be a top 50, uh, even top 40, top 30 player in fantasy. So. Uh, I just think there's that the power that he's shown early on has really kind of opened some eyes as to uh, a legit five category guy a lot sooner than we expected. I think he's going to be promoted to double A fairly soon, and I think we we see him in the big leagues some at some point next year. Yeah, moved him in a separate deal. Moved him and Nick Senzel, who's on a major league contract for Garrett Cole and Mike Leak and somebody else. I think. Uh, not, I don't know. I'm fine with it because mainly because of Garrett Cole. Obviously, Mike Leake is going to regress, but needed that that help now. Moving on, though, Corey Ray. Strikeouts are adding up, certainly 36 and just 108 at-bats with Carolina. Numbers don't look great, but he does have eight stolen bases and 11 attempts. This is still a guy that you see as a long-term foundation piece in this Brewers organization. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how their uh, their just abundance of of young outfielders ends up kind of shaking out which guys they end up trading which guys end up just kind of not making it as uh core pieces for them you know ray i think it's it's interesting to see what he's doing against left-handed pitching because it's it's kind of a combination of a, a small sample and confirmation bias because he uh, coming out of Louisville, I think that was the one worry, at least from a fantasy perspective. I mean, there there were people that weren't sure he could handle center field uh, from a real-life perspective, but from a fantasy perspective, I think the concern was, is he going to be able to hit lefties at all? Uh, so far, he has just three extra base hits in 115 career at-bats against lefties. Uh, you know, he's... You know, I know they, they, they gave him an aggressive assignment to high A, but you'd like to see a little bit more than that uh, from a guy who's 22. Uh, I think he's got the speed and the, you know, especially if you put him in left field, I think he could maybe be a plus defender out there. Uh, but I don't think, I don't think he's a sure bet to be an everyday guy. I think the Brewers have enough internal outfield depth where he might be a guy that they end up platooning where he sits against lefties because they have, enough options in house that are just better than him. I mean, you, you see guys, uh, you know, Dexter Fowler has always gotten to play almost every day, even though he struggles against lefties a, a little bit. Uh, Christian Yelich is another guy like that. Um, but Ray is just, he's so bad against lefties right now that I, I could definitely see him ended up needing a platoon. And so that would be the one concern with him. I I am not worried about the batting average or the lack of power so far. I think that that's going to come, but really concerned as to whether or not he ends up being an everyday guy. A couple of Rays teammates with Carolina, Trent Clark, Lucas Ersig, separated by just two spots in your overall top 400. Clark, 76. Ersig, 79. Is it the speed with Clark that gives him the slight edge, even though there is that outfield jam on the Brewers organizational depth chart? Uh, the speed and the on-base skills, you know, he's 
he's hitting 242 he's getting on base at a 260 clip right now uh there's a lot to sort of point at where you could be a little disappointed i I know he he has yet to live up to the the grades on his hit tool uh, as a as a prep prospect but he's still on pace to hit double digit home runs challenge for 30 steals as a 20 year old at high a so you know for all the the stuff you could complain about he's probably gonna end up with a pretty solid line at the end of the year and just that that ability to get on base even when he's not hitting for a high average to me gives him the edge over a guy like Ursig, who uh so far i think is more of a you know power maybe we're not sure quite what the average is with with him um you know, I think it's it's most his struggles so far to begin the year. I think are mostly due to his uh, bad luck on balls in play, two thirty nine BABIP, uh, and he's the the nice thing is he's not striking out a ton. I mean, strikeout rates under twenty percent in the top uh, top third of the league. So it's not like he's overmatched right now. I think it's mostly just bad luck, uh, but he doesn't have that ability to you know take a ton of walks at least at least at this point in his career to where he could be successful if the average isn't that high ryan mountcastle really took a while for the power to start showing up in his professional career uh slugged under 400 in his first year between rookie ball and low a then just one homer over the first two months of last year but then he did come on in the power department the second half last year and already eight homers so far this year, um, man, that's that's pretty good total for a twenty-year-old at, at a full season stop. But how much has his early success vaulted him up your uh, your prospect board? Uh, a ton. I mean, he's he's probably in the top three or four for highest risers. I think he he started the year just outside the top two hundred. Now he's all the way up to to one fifteen. Uh, huge breakout year for him. I mean. You can point to the home ballpark. Frederick Frederick's the one park in in the Carolina League that is very hitter friendly, uh, and seven of his eight home runs have come there. But he has a nine ninety nine OPS on the road too, so it's not like he's just completely living off the home cooking at at Frederick. He's been a, a really good hitter everywhere this year. He projects to end up at you know most likely a solid fantasy position like he might not end up at shortstop but i think he probably sticks at, at second or third so that's that's still going to be um pretty valuable especially if he gets to play in in that ballpark in, in baltimore so i i think this is a an excellent start to the year for him he was probably unowned in a good chunk of leagues coming into the year so if if for whatever reason, he's he's still out there. Definitely a good guy to go grab. Yeah, I think you gave me Mountcastle's outlook to write in the winter, which kind of speaks to your thoughts about him. Hey, I, mean, gave hey, I gave you some good guess. I gave you some good guess. I'm kidding. <clears throat> I just pass him off to Clay. I, I tried. What I tried to do is I I tried to give you enough good guys to where you wouldn't um, be too wouldn't upset when I gave you him. when I gave you some some Mountcastles. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good to see, you know, his success has gone noticed and certainly a steady riser throughout the first, man, we're almost seven weeks into the season. I guess not the minor league season, but uh, time is flying. Now, I want to just skip down here to Jomar Reyes because he was somebody I was excited about last year 
coming into the season, we had a tough year in 2016. You know, 607 OPS, then just one homer so far this year. Do you think we may have, well, he's injured right now. He's actually out six to eight weeks, which is unfortunate for him. But do you think we may have overestimated the long-term power potential with Reyes? No, no. I I think he's he's still got monster raw power. Uh, It's just a matter of him being 20 years old. And, you know, I think that's that's the type of thing. I mean, like... uh, I think Rafael Devers is a is a perfect example of a guy who, you know, he's got a lot more uh professional at bats under his belt than Reyes. Um and he's you know, the power's finally starting to show up. I mean, a guy like Josh Bell's a, another good example. I mean, now he's he's just hitting for a ton of power in the big leagues after everyone kept questioning whether or not he was going to hit for enough power to profile at first base. Uh you just got to kind of trust that the power will eventually show up in games. I mean, he's, he's got as much raw power as any, anybody in the lower levels, save for maybe a guy like Vlad jr. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I just really want him to get back healthy so that we can see, you know, what his numbers look like when, when his uh, luck normalizes a little bit. Cause he was living a little bit off that uh, 407 Babbitt um, after really struggling last year. So um interested to see what he does when he does get back a teammate of Mountcastle and Reyes Austin Hayes with Frederick 305 average 343 on base 458 slugging percentage four homers uh three triples which is pretty crazy and three for five on stolen base attempts only five walks and 131 at bats but is the total skill set really kind of something that profiles or makes him profile as a five category fantasy asset. Yeah. I think he's got the potential to be that. I don't think uh, too many people are are all that aware of Hayes yet. So he he should be out there in in plenty of formats. Uh, Yeah. I mean, so far so good. He's, he's got a, he's a really built guy. He can, he can go get it. He can uh, steal some bases. He's, he's got some pop Uh, definitely someone worth uh, keeping an eye on. What do you like? I dug up this stat on just just the Fred the three Frederick guys we're talking about here. Uh, Mountcastle, Reyes, and Hayes have a combined thirteen home runs and fourteen walks in three hundred sixty at bats. Which that's like you know that's I'm not cherry cherry picking guys on that roster. Those are their three best hitters, mm-hmm. and that would be I mean that'd be like if Manny Machado and Chris Davis and Adam Jones had you know whatever twenty five homers and. 20 mm-hmm. walks or so like it's it's just it's amazing it's it's a crazy stat i just i wonder if this says something about the orioles uh scouting or yeah. the, the type of players they target you know i mean because it's or they're it's, just the uh, the ways they go about developing certain players yeah it's it's just it's yeah it's kind of fascinating like that maybe they just don't care in the lower levels if you're being patient maybe it's just sort of see ball hit ball you can figure out the the approach a bit a bit more against uh, upper level arms now catching prospects are usually you know tough to evaluate and definitely s- slow played normally and a long wait for people in long-term leagues but josh morgan in the rangers organization he isn't just a backstop correct he can move around the diamond he like so he's been a shortstop he's been a second baseman he's been a third baseman he they've they've been trying him a little bit at catcher uh 
in the spring, I think these, these past couple of years, and they're finally deploying him there this year in kind of a part-time role. 12 of his starts have come behind the dish and it, it totally makes sense because he's, uh, he's got that athletic, um, you know, he was probably going to be a bit too, not quite athletic enough, um, to handle a position like shortstop, but it's a, it's an athletic, uh, kind of compact frame that I think, uh, profiles nicely behind the dish, uh, in terms of a guy that might be able to become a, a pretty good framer. And the bat was always going to be pretty light for anywhere in the infield, even, even a position like shortstop. Uh, so it makes sense when you have a guy where you're like, well, we feel really good about this guy being able to hit for say like a 270, 275 average, but the power might top out at like 12 homers with a handful of steals. Well, catcher is really the only position where that actually profiles. So I, I love the decision by Texas to do this uh, with Josh Morgan. It make it takes him from being a guy that I really was a, a complete afterthought to me in fantasy to now a guy where it's like, well, hey, if, if, if we start getting reports that he's a good defensive catcher, I mean, all of a sudden now we're talking about maybe a top five, top six dynasty league you know, catching prospect. And that, that, that's a, that'd be a huge win. Uh, especially after the Rangers have, have dealt, you know, a guy like Jorge Alfaro, they're going to lose Jonathan Lucroy presumably after this year. So, I mean, that, that, that'd be really interesting. Um, speaking, uh, you know, of, of interesting moves on that same down East team, Jairo Barris, who, you know, is a big, big bonus baby from uh, five, six years ago, uh, hasn't really worked out as a hitter. It hasn't really looked like it was going to work out as a hitter the past couple of years. They, they brought him in, uh, in a relief pitching situation the other day and he was touching 99 pretty easily and without much coaching, you know, he was just kind of like, Hey, let's go see what you got out there. And he was just pumping in 99. So that sort of seems like another position change that they're going to really, seriously consider long-term with him because it, it just wasn't really going to work out. I don't think for him as, as a hitter. And if, if you get a guy that without a ton of coaching, I mean, he's six, five, uh, so you can understand what, where he gets the extension from and everything like that. But I mean, you know, if he's just got 99 sitting in there, you know, what, what would he look like with two years or so of, of minor league instruction? Maybe you, you teach him a slider, you know, who, who knows what, what the next steps are there, but that's, that's one to keep an eye on as well. Yeah. Interesting. I had not heard that, but definitely continue to monitor that situation. One last guy I want to ask you about specifically, you have others of note here that you can shout out if you want to, but Jake Gatewood, he was a guy that I kind of left for dead really as a prospect, written him off after a really rough start at the lower levels, but he's come on. seems like a, a switch is, flip for him and he's batting two uh three twenty six four oh six five thirty two with five homers stealing some bags fourteen doubles I mean it's pretty impressive he's walking a fair amount nineteen walks and hundred and forty one at bats but how much are you really buying into Gatewood's improvement? <clears throat> well the one thing I think we can definitely buy into at this point in the season is the walks. He's you know 2015, he walked 7.3 percent of the time. 2016, 3.4 percent of the time. Add those two together, and you're still not to his his 11.9 percent mark this year. I mean, that's a that's a legitimate change in in his approach. He still strikes out a bit too much. 
you know, 26% of the time I would expect as he moves up the ranks that that's going to probably tick up a little bit. Uh, you know, the BABIPs through the roof. So I'm not, I'm not really buying anywhere, anywhere much North of like a 260, 265 average from him. But we all, we all know the powers there. I mean, it's, it's huge power. Like this, this Carolina roster is absolutely loaded. But when those guys get off the bus, Gatewood's the most impressive physical specimen. He's the one that looks like the future middle of the lineup uh, big league hitter. And they moved him to first base this year, which I think is is nice. I think you know he was a he was a really shaky third uh, defender at third base. I think this takes a lot of pressure off of his glove. You know, I think he can just kind of focus on on hitting a bit more right now and. You know, not a guy that you have to go out and grab because, like I said, I mean that that batting average is going to come way down. Still striking out quite a bit, but a guy that in in really deep leagues you should go add, and a guy that in in shallower leagues you need to at least keep an eye on now. Just real quick while we have you, I want to ask you about a guy that I saw in a game with Jake Wood back when he was with Peoria, Magniri Sierra. Mm. Getting the call, has your evaluation changed at all with him after his impressive start to his major league career after making the jump from high A? Uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, you can move him up a little bit. Uh, I moved him up, you know, 15 spots or so, um, just because they, you know, he's going back down. He's not up for good. This was a pretty desperate move based on their situation with the 40 man roster. The, he didn't want to add another outfielder. Right. And, uh, but I mean, he is by far the best defensive outfielder they have in their entire organization so the fact that he's holding his own at the plate it's a tiny sample size but i mean that's very uh very unexpected um he's got good speed too it's about figuring out the nuances of of base stealing with him yeah i mean it's if anything this is this is maybe up to his dynasty value just because more people know who he is now more people have seen him play maybe you're really enticed by i mean he's he's an electric player when he's out there uh yeah i actually offered him up in a trade earlier this year and the guy's like oh, i don't need a shortstop I'm like he's an outfielder dude <laughs> Get familiar. i don't need a shortstop like <laughs> what like yeah i'm i'm good on shortstops keep keep your shortstop <laughs> uh yeah no he's i think it's it's cool that he's up uh but i mean he's he's gonna be sent down uh pretty soon that's a hell of a name that's like a 70 70 grade name i'd say maybe higher i don't know i think you can make a case but uh yeah i i'm excited about him i know i know the brass there in st louis has compared him to billy hamilton at least defensively speed isn't he's not like an 80 grade speed guy no he's he's a He's a sixty-five or a seventy. I mean, he he can change games with his with his wheels for sure. But he, he's, he's been caught a lot though in the past couple of years. Right. He's he's not as fast as as a guy like Buxton or, or Billy Hamilton. He's not as refined on the bases either. But uh, to me, I think there there is before he got called up. The big thing that stood out to me was how much he was walking because that was one of the things where it's like this guy could be a a legit leadoff option even on a first division team if he can just walk a bit more and, and he was doing that to some extent, I think there, there will be eight to eight to 12 Homer pop in time with him as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, 
excited to that everyone gets to get a quick look at him but he'll he'll be headed back down shortly yeah i can see him going to double a i know that's been speculated on instead of them just sending him back to high because it looks like he is indeed ready for that next step well james we appreciate your insight as always great stuff check out james's latest farm futures piece carolina league roundup on the site right now new posts every thursday from james roadwire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial we'll be back with you guys next week Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.